as the praise team was just singing. And he brought you safely through, through the waters, through the fires. We need to do like David said. We need to praise the Lord at all times. And we just need to bless his holy name because he's been so good to us. I don't know about you, but the Lord has been so good to me. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Praise God. And all God asks of us really, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to love one another. If we truly love one another, all of these problems in the world would just cease. They could open the jail cells and just fling them wide open. There'd be nobody in there because everybody would be loving one another. I'd like to take you to a Romans chapter 13. I call it the little love chapter. It tells us that love fulfills all the requirements of God. Paul says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Do you love one another? Could you turn to somebody and just say, I love you. Amen. Praise God. When's the last time we said that? I love you. He says, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other commandments are summed up in this one commandment. What is it again? Love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Love 
does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Let us love one another, brothers and sisters, as we, as we love ourselves, and of course, as we love God. Amen? Praise God. I love you guys. Thank you. I received that in my spirit. I needed that. God bless. Everybody needs to hear that. Now let us go to the Lord in prayer. If you know our hearts are of anything that is not of God, forgetting all our worries and our cares, we all have them, but this is the time to put them aside and trust God with what's on our hearts. Dear righteous and almighty God, Lord, we just want to say good morning. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Welcome, Holy Spirit, in this place. Fill not only this church here, God, but fill us. Fill our homes. Imbue the whole world in your wonderful, mighty love. Help us, dear God, just to be little love bubbles floating around, trying to find somebody we can show some love and tender kindness to, just like you do us, dear God. Lord, we thank you for watching over us. You've kept us safe from danger, seen and unseen alike. So many things that could have happened to us that we had no idea. One day in heaven, you'll perhaps show us, I saved you from this. I saved you from that. That was no coincidence. That was no accident. That was me. That was my angels keeping you safe. Lord, we just want to be that one in ten that came back and said, thank you, Jesus. And we love you. We ask that you continue to watch over all of us, so Father. We ask, dear God, that you will bless us with the desires and the needs that are in our lives. You said you would give us the desires of our heart if we but delight ourselves in you. And, Lord, we're delighting ourselves in you right now. And every time we show love, every time we obey your commandments, every time we try to be a blessing in somebody's life, when we see that person out there in the street with three bags of clothes, that's all he owns in the world. And he says, can you give me a dollar? Don't drive by that person. One day, dear God, that could be us. There was one time in my life, dear God, that was me. So I thank you, dear God, that you put it in our hearts to be a blessing. A blessing on our way somewhere to happen in somebody's life. You'll show us too. Just let us have a heart to care and to listen to you, oh God. Lord, we ask also, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you, please forgive us of all our sins. Let no iniquity have dominion in our hearts, as the, as the psalmist said. And Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you bless this wonderful country of ours. Bless America. Forgive us of our sins, dear God. Heal America, oh God. Father, stop the fires on the west coast, the floods out there also now. Lord, the, the, in India and China, floods, floods, so much that Jesus said we see the birth pangs coming upon our world as it gets closer to the time that I do believe Jesus is coming soon. Help us to act like it as Jesus said, therefore walk circumspectively for the days are evil. Lord, we're trusting in you. We love you. And we just want to thank you for another opportunity, another chance to get it right with the help of your Holy Spirit. These and all blessings we ask in the mighty, magnificent, majestic name of Jesus, our precious Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. And beloved, you, you may sit down. Hey, CTC family, I'm Kathy. And here's this week's news. 
Jesus cautions us not to accumulate treasure on earth, but in heaven. Most of us would agree that we just have too much stuff. With that in mind, we're preparing to host our second yard giveaway event on Saturday, August 14th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. At the Bear Campus, we will be giving items away to people in our community. It will be a great opportunity to meet people and share the love of Jesus. We will be receiving donations on Friday, August 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. We need people to help with receiving and sorting items as well as staff for the event on Saturday. If you would like to be part of this, contact Chrissy Carroll at ccarroll at ctcde.church. Looking outside the walls of the church for ministry opportunities is an important mission that God has given us. As an extension of our ministry here at CTC, Rebecca Simpson and Bryce Maynard will be traveling to Los Angeles to minister with the Dream Center from September 13th to the 18th. During this trip, they will share the love of Jesus by working to help feed those in poverty, encouraging them to learn new skills, and assisting in training and educating people to see a better life. If you want to learn more about the ministry of the Dream Center, visit their website at dreamcenter.org. Sports is a great way to learn self-discipline and to build relationships. Upward Sports is a Bible-based sports league that teaches scriptural principles along with teaching kids how to play. Registration is now open for this year's Flag Football and Cheerleading League. This is available to boys and girls between kindergarten and 8th grade. Evaluations will be Sunday, August 8th from 5 to 7 p.m. And again Sunday, August 15th from 5 to 7 p.m. at Bible Fellowship Church on Old Baltimore Pike in Newark. You will find the sign-up link on our website. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. the Lord on this beautiful day. We're so happy that you're here. You know, as the praise team was singing, God is always up to something good. And God is always up to something good in our lives. Whether we're climbing on top of the mountain or whether we feel like we're in the lowest valley, God is providing for us and loving for us. And that's an amazing, awesome word. If you're new here, and you're online, we ask that you click the New Here button. If you're new here and you're in the celebration room with us, we ask that you stop outside of the celebration room to your left and speak with a member of our pastoral care staff or one of our service hosts so that we can welcome you appropriately. If you're seated in the chair, there's a connect card in your chair. If you're at the table, there's one on your table. And if you're online, there is a connect tab that you may click. 
we ask for some information so that we can communicate with you throughout the week to encourage you and lift your spirits. Uh, it's just one of the ways we stay, we stay connected. We know what's going on in your life. We can pray for you. We pray for you regularly. And there are a group of people in our church that do that. And it's so important for us to stay connected that way as the body of Christ. Uh, we also, this is the, the giving envelope. And so in here is, is a way that you can uh, make a contribution to participate in the work that Christ the Cornerstone is doing in our community. But it's not just Christ the Cornerstone. It's God's work that we're doing. And you are our partners in working together as the body of Christ in doing that. And it's a great thing. We want to always teach, uh, as Jesus teaches us, to be generous with everything that we have, whether it's our time, our belongings, our abilities, uh, and the the ways that God provides for us. We want to be generous. And we have some principles. Just want to remind you of one of those principles today. Principle number one says, let's read this together if you would, please. We strive to give God's will priority over money. We actually want to give God's will priority over everything. And so we remember this verse, this scripture verse. This this principle comes right from scripture. Would you read this with me also? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. We trust God with that. I think more about that later during the message this morning uh, about trusting God and the things that he will do in and through us when we trust in him. Let me invite you again to stand as we continue worshiping God by singing our praises and listening to God. If you're online, uh, please join us. Let's pray together as we continue to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. For you giving yourself to us through Jesus Christ who gave himself up so that we can have life now and eternally. We thank you. We're going to sing these songs of praise to you. Come, Lord Jesus, and inhabit the praises of your people as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is no better, more comforting place for us to be than in the presence of God. That's where he has invited all of us to be this morning. The king of the universe has invited us to come and to be with him. This morning.
scripture says that at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our world is not in that posture right now. But the scripture says it will happen. It may not happen for people, sadly enough, when they're on this earth, but we have the opportunity today to give him the glory that he deserves. Because he is worthy. Amen? So, Lord, change us in your presence today. Take us to that place, Lord, where you make us new. Your will be done in our lives. Your kingdom come as you taught the disciples to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, today, it's our desire to join with all those that are around your throne right now. All those who have gone before us. All those who are worshiping at your throne today as described in the book of Revelation, singing worthy, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, you are the God who always will be. You always have been. You always will be. And we worship you. Sing this together. Worthy is the Lamb.
is none like you. There is no other name. There is no other God. There is no other power. There is no other strength. There is no other way out. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other one who heals. There is no other one who saves and sets free and delivers except you. You always have been. You are now. And you always will be. So, Lord, we bring our praise today. Lord, some of us, I sense in this room today, are bringing praise out of a deep, dark valley. And that's okay. Because you're there with us, just like you are on the mountaintop. So, Lord, today, as we give you our praise, as you receive that praise, Lord, would you be glorified, not only in this place, but in everywhere we take your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, right now, we pray that as we sense that Holy Spirit moving in this place, in this moment, that as our pastor comes to bring the message today, that your anointing would rest on him in a mighty, powerful way, that our hearts would be open to receive and that you would make us new. Empty us of us so we can be filled with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody sit together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. In part one of this series, we learned about the character of Jesus. Now that we know who he is, we can talk about what it's like to live for him. Even though the Christian life has its victories and rewards, We cannot expect it to be without struggles, sufferings, confrontations, sacrifices, trials. But in all these things, Jesus is there, equipping us and bringing us hope. If we give him the chance, even though he asks us to give up everything, he will prove that every step of the journey is worth it. Mark my words. the children's cue to follow Miss Chrissy downstairs. They want to go with her to the uh, classroom for the children's time. You can follow Miss Chrissy. Good morning again, everybody. So great to see all of you here this morning. Isn't it wonderful to see the children? Thank you, Jesus, for children. Thank you, Jesus, for moms and dads. Let's say a prayer for moms and dads for a minute. I was, uh, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the responsibility that you give to us both for the joy of having children and the responsibility. Lord, I remember uh, my first child holding that child in my arms and wondering, what am I supposed to do with this now, God? And uh, you teach us. God, thank you. Teach our children now. And thank you for the opportunity that we have as the body of Christ, as as brothers and sisters in Christ, that that the children of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ are our children. They're part of our church. And so we pray for them and help us as the church nurture them and support mom and dad and grandma and grandpa in raising children in the way that you want them to go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I appreciate you moms and dads and families. And uh, whether you're online, maybe you're with your kids at the house, and uh, God bless you. In this moment, we're talking about uh, Mark My Words. In the book of Mark, we're uh, getting back to that um, series. 
Uh, in the first part of the book of Mark, we were looking at the words uh, to, to answer the question, who is Jesus? And we answered that with one word questions or one word answers. And now we're looking at the second part of the book of Mark that I've labeled, what is life with Jesus like? And last week we talked about life with Jesus is a life of being equipped. Well, God has a purpose for each one of us. And God is the one who is going to enable, empower, equip us, teach us, give us the skills that we need in order to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. Generally speaking, the purpose for all of us is to love God and to be in relationship with God. That's what we were created to do and to be in fellowship with God. And, and Jesus puts it this way. It's this way in the Old Testament. And Jesus reminded us in the New Testament to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. God has placed us in community to live life in community. And that's our purpose to, to live the life that God has given me in relationship with God and with one another, and he equips me to play my part in that. Each of us is unique in the gifts that we bring. God values every one of us, and we must live the life that we have. That's, that's good news. I love that. That's so empowering and affirming of who you are as a person. And I pray that through your trust in Jesus Christ, you are discovering that and allowing Jesus to equip you in that way. That was last week. I don't want to get going on that sermon again. But this week we're looking at another word of what life is like with Jesus, and that is rewarding. Life with Jesus is a life that is rewarding. And we're going to look at a particular passage, and this is going to be a bit challenging. And we're going to hear some, some of the rewards that God gives to us, but then there's a one reward in there that will make us say, What? What kind of a reward is that? So we're looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 23 through 31. So let's turn in the Bibles that we've got here on the tables and on the chairs. It's page 839, uh, starting there. And I encourage you to follow along there for your online. Use your own Bible or watch on the screen as, we, as I read Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 23. A little bit of background. Jesus has been teaching. And as we can see, the beginning of this section in the, 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 the publisher of the Bibles that we have here has put in a heading titled The Rich Man. And we know that the, this one day the rich man came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, follow the laws. The man replied, I've done all of that. What else must I do? And Jesus says, sell everything that you've got, then come. And follow me. We know that the man turned around. It was a striking teaching that Jesus gave, a harsh teaching that Jesus gave. This man, we don't have any indication, that at least in this part of the story, part of the Bible, that the man gave up everything he had. Perhaps he did. Perhaps he walked away from Jesus. But it kind of suggests that he didn't do that. But the, Because verse 22 says at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Now, verse 23 says, Now Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, Let's pause there and say Jesus is making a direct lesson to his disciples. I want to pause as I did last week on that word disciple. And, and it's important for us to remember what that word disciple means. The word disciple literally means student. 
One who is learning. And, and just like all, all, last, last night when I gave this message, I, I looked at the teachers who are in the room, and I'm not quite sure who the teachers in the room are this morning, because um, I don't know what everybody does or if you're online. But a teacher teaches a student in the classroom a lesson. But the teacher is, I, I hope, is much less concerned about the student grasping the lesson in the classroom. And the teacher is more concerned about what the student does with that skill or with that information when they leave the classroom. And the same is true about following Jesus. We can think about coming into church as coming into the classroom for just a moment and sitting before the teacher, Jesus. And he gives us information. He teaches us a skill, but he doesn't care that we learn it right here. The test is not here. The test is out there. And just like any student who comes into the classroom, learns how to multiply, learns how to add, but then they go out into the store and they... Not so much in Delaware, but I remember my children realizing what tax is. Sales tax. And so they have, we give them a dollar to spend. So they spend a dollar. They go up to the cash register. And in New York, where my children grew up, they'd always have to pay. If it was 99 cents, they think they're going to get a penny back. But they'd have to pay a dollar seven. But I don't have enough money. And then what do they do? Dad, you got seven cents? (laughs) No. You got to find something else because, well, I don't understand this. Why does it cost? It says 99 cents here. Well, you need to learn to multiply and then you need to learn to add. But I didn't learn that. I did that in the classroom, but I don't have to do that out here. It's just for the classroom that I learned that lesson. No, it's not. Jesus is telling his students the same thing. You can't come in here to church and think that you're learning the lesson here and now and walk out from these doors and not act according to the way Jesus has taught you to do. You haven't learned it yet. Have you learned it? Jesus turns to his students and he says these words. How hard it is, verse 23, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed his disciples. But Jesus said it again, Dear children, it is very hard, not only hard, it's extremely hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of God, I'm going to correct some preaching that I've done in the past years on this verse. I used to I used to give explanations that, to help understand this verse that a needle in those days was a gateway through the wall of the city and and they, they had to get the camel they had to unload the camel of his back all that stuff. I have learned since that that is an inaccurate teaching. Jesus is literally speaking of a little needle that you would use for sewing. And a great big camel trying to get through that. Jesus is purposefully using hyperbole to make the point. It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I know that we in America have poverty. 
And there are many of us who cry poverty. Yet in the scheme of the world things, we're rich. We're rich. And Jesus is saying to us, hey, folks, you need to let go of your dependence on the things that you have. And trust me if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven. This is not earning our salvation. This is what Jesus teaches his disciples after they've already been following. They trust him enough to follow, but now he's teaching how to, how to live as a follower, a student of Jesus Christ. And he's saying to them, it's hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. And again, verse 26 says, the disciples were now, before they were amazed... Now they're just absolutely astounded. We could use another word. Absolutely confused. They're confounded. Jesus, what are you talking about? And so we know that. How do we know that? Because in verse 26, it also says, Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Who can get in? Jesus looked at them intently and said, Look at this. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. You cannot do enough to earn your way into heaven. You can't. You can't. If you're trying, you're trying to accomplish it on human terms. You cannot do it. Look at the next phrase. But, not with God, everything is possible with God. I have a saying uh, that, that, that's just printed out on paper. Uh, I, I tacked it up on the bulletin board above my desk so that I can re- refer to it often. And it's been there for many, many years. I've changed. Uh, uh, this is the sixth church that I have been the pastor of throughout my career. And I think I put it up there probably in the first one, maybe the second one. <laughs> there are ups and downs in everybody's career. And I remember probably at one of my low points studying this passage. And I, and I got playing with the words and I flipped the words around and I came up with this saying that says, and I, this is what I put on my piece of paper on the, and put it up on my bulletin board. It says, if it is possible, God is not in it. What I mean by that is if if I, as a human being, realize that it is possible for me to accomplish this, then I am not going to ask for God's help. And I can do it without God. And it's as if I'm saying to God, thank you, God, for this ability. I'll take it myself. I'll take it from here, God. I don't need you. I don't want to do that in my life. I don't want to do things that I know are just possible for me. I want to do things that are impossible because when I'm asking to do the impossible, the only way I can do it is with God. And so I'm going to say, God, let's do this, but I can't do it without you. Because with God, the impossible now is possible. But without God, I don't need to worry about the impossible. Jesus is teaching that. And it comes with our salvation. It comes with our hope of everlasting and eternal life. I can't get enough hope gathered together by myself to do that. 
Only God can give me that hope that my sins are forgiven. I can't earn that. I can't do enough good and right things to justify all the wrong things, the wrong attitudes, the wrong desires that I have. Only God can justify my actions through Jesus Christ having died on the cross. He pays the price for my sins. Only God can do that. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible with God. You hear somebody say, everything's everything's possible. That's that's not the sentence. (laughs) That little preposition. And and, and, uh, it's dangerous for me to get into the realm of of grammar because I say things that may not be accurate. But a preposition so shows position. And so the position here indicated by this preposition with is being together. Are you with God? Are you? Are you with God in everything that you're doing? Jesus is saying, We've got to be with God in everything we do. Then Peter began to speak up. Verse 28. But Lord, we've given everything up to follow you. And Jesus affirmed Peter and says, yes. And I assure you that you, everyone who has given up house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, a hundred times many brothers, a hundred times many sisters, a hundred times many mothers. How many mothers do we need? Uh Uh-oh. Lawanda, I love you. (laughs) My mother-in-law. Lost my place. I guess we're going to have a conversation when we get down church today. A hundred times the children. A hundred times the property. We could say, well, where is it? Where is it, God? Where are the children? Where, where is the property? You know the condition of my house. You know the condition of my bank account. God, where is it? Well, I guess... The condition for this, we have to, a fair question would be, have you given all that you currently have up to the control of God? Remember the verse that we said as I was taking, uh, as we were talking about giving ourselves generously? Seek first, above all other things, the will and the purposes of God. Are you asking God, how do you want me to use my finances? Are you asking God, how do you want me to use my house? How do you want me to use my skills, God? In other words, have you given yourself fully to God in order that God will restore to you everything that you have? A couple examples from my life come to mind. And uh, I, 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 I wish... Sometimes that I had illustrations that weren't about my own life, because the risk that I take in telling my own story is 
That'll make it, 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 people can say, well, he's just talking about himself all the time. And I don't, uh, I don't want to do that. I do want to give a, a good testimony of what God has done in my life. And so the, the stories that I tell about myself really point to Jesus, I hope. And I intend. But I remember when Carolyn and I uh, got engaged to be married... She had promised, and this is actually while we were corresponding, and, and we, we didn't really date. We wrote letters back and forth because we were six, seven hundred miles apart back in the day before. We didn't even, didn't, didn't even have email. We had telephones and snail mail. <laughs> oh, I'm such an old man. That wasn't that long ago. And uh, Carolyn had made a promise to herself that she would never marry a preacher. And if you don't know who Carolyn is, Carolyn is the, she was the singer that was over on this side. And uh, meet Carolyn when she comes back. She'll be standing here. That's my wife, Carolyn. And uh, she promised herself that she would never marry a preacher. So when we started dating, she asked me, are you going to be a preacher? I was working in the church at the time. I was a youth director. I was very happy being the director of youth ministries in the, the church down in Georgia. Very happy and said, no, I am not going to be a preacher because I've said to God, uh-uh, I'll do anything in the church, but don't ask me to preach. I'm not going to preach. Well, I fell in love with Carolyn. And, and I asked her to marry me. And when we got married, I was not going to be a preacher, and she was okay with that. And then a couple of years into our marriage, God began changing things in my life. And God does that. <laughs> He works on us, and we finally realize, okay, God, I can, I can fight you. I can fight the way that I, I sense that you're calling me to go. And I can run this way, kind of like Jonah. But God has a way of putting boundaries in our lives and kind of nudging us. And we can, we can bump up against those boundaries. But look, it's God versus me when we hit those boundaries. And kind of like a guardrail on the side of the road, if I run my car up against the guardrail trying to get through it, who's going who's gonna to get damaged in that? <laughs> I ain't hurting God when I bump up against God. I'm just hurting me. So I wrestled with that. And Ed, I made a promise to Carolyn that I wasn't going to be a preacher. And the day came when, when I knew God's asking me to be a preacher. And I got to go to school in order to learn, learn that and to be ordained in the church and go through this process. And there's no way I can hide that from Carolyn. Like, we got to have this conversation some, somehow. But I was scared. It's like, God, I can't have that conversation. I promised her I wasn't going to be a preacher. And I was afraid that if I told her that she would leave me. Because that was a deal breaker for our marriage. I thought, God, I don't want to, I don't want to get a divorce. Especially trying to follow the, the will that you have for me. So I said to God, God, you got to have that conversation with Carolyn. I'm not going to have that conversation with Carolyn because I'm scared. That was my prayer. And I was scared. 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 <laughs> scared little bunny rabbit. And I remember the day, finally, I knew that we had to talk about it. And I remember going to Carolyn and I remember saying, Carolyn, you know, we've been, we're in this transition time. We left the church in Georgia. We were 
you know, in a, in a, in a living with my parents at the time, and I was driving school bus, and I was just wasting God's time trying to figure this thing out. And I finally went to Carolyn, and I said to her, I think the way forward is leading me into being in ministry, being a pastor. Guess what her words were? I'm okay with that. God and I have already had that conversation. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for having had that conversation. Because I couldn't have that conversation. God provided the way for that conversation to happen. Oh, there's so many other things in my life that, that God has provided the way what was impossible. I couldn't do it. I said to God, I can't do that. Yes, I'm scared. And God could have God could have, could have given me the courage. I needed to trust Carolyn with me. I needed to trust her commitment to me in our marriage. Rather than being afraid to think that she'd walk away from me. That's one of the stories that I that I think of. Everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property, I had to give up. I had to give up my control over my marriage. So that God could work in Carolyn's life and get her on the same page with me so that we could move forward together. Is your marriage in trouble? Give it up to God. Give it up to God. Let God teach you how to be the husband that God wants you to be to your wife. Let God teach you how to be the wife to your husband that God wants you to be to your husband. Give it up to God. And follow Jesus. He will teach you what is impossible for humans. Trying to save my marriage. Hmm. God will save your marriage. God will save your marriage. Somebody needed to hear that today. So I moved through ministry and getting closer to to being ordained. And one of the processes that you you have to go through a grueling set of interviews You have to write a book of paperwork to become a pastor in our system. And I and I did all that stuff and they gave me a a scripture that they wanted me to study and present to the it's called the Board of Ordained Ministry. About 40 different 40 people on this committee. It's an insane number of people for a committee. Well, and, and they, were, they were analyzing and critiquing and, and evaluating my biblical study skills. Guess what scripture they gave me? I was a young husband, a young father with an infant child, seeking to be in the ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. They give me this passage to study, to interpret and to teach. And they asked me, Roger, what does it mean to you to give up your child for the sake of the gospel? That's a tough question to answer. We all need to wrestle with that in our lives. It requires us to get our priorities. It requires us to, to ask God... Remember that? Seek first the kingdom of God. It requires us to ask God, what do you want me to do with my family? And, and, I, and I remember uh, being a seminary student at the, at, the, at the school. 
I had this tiny little job in this tiny little office. And a student came. My, my job was, it was called the match office, M-A-T-C-H. And I, it stood for something, I don't know what. It was a horrible job. I was supposed to match students who needed work with work that was available out in the community. Kind of a job employment office. But all the, all, so, so people in the community would call the school and say, we have a, I have a job opening. And if you have a student that needs work, so I kept a little file box of, of these job opportunities. And so I remember sitting there one day and this student came in and flopped on the couch that, that was in the office. I said, what's going on? He says, well, I guess I need a job. He said, I said, okay. He said, we came here to follow, to be, so I could become a pastor. But my wife just took the kids and went back home to Alabama. She couldn't handle the pressure of earning the income for the family, so I guess I need a job. That scared me to death again. God, did you call me into ministry so that, so that, to break apart my family? I didn't believe that. I don't believe that God wants God, God's purpose for our life. God does not have the plan to destroy our marriages. If our marriages fall apart, it's not God's desire for that to happen. God wants our marriages to succeed. And I know that divorce happens, and the Bible says divorce happens. Yes. But God wants marriages to stay intact. And God wants us again. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm preaching, <laughs> making marriage this, this thing, but it keeps coming back. So I had to teach on this passage. What does it mean to give up your family? And I said to that committee, I said, well, back to the, the, the guy flopping on it. I went home from work that day. I know, sorry, I'm getting my story mixed up. I'll go back, back to the seminary classroom or the seminary office. And the student was saying, I had to find a job because my wife just took the kids, went back to Alabama with her mom. We were living in Kentucky at the time. And I went home from that job and I asked Carolyn, I said, Carolyn, what's God doing here? Are, are we going to, is our family going to break up? Are, are we going to allow the, the, the work of, of God the, for the sake of the gospel to break up our family? And we both decided absolutely not. That is not God's plan for our life. We're going to figure this thing out. God has a way for us to do this. And even at that time, we, we hadn't, Ryan wasn't born yet. Our first child wasn't born yet. But, but we, let's see, I was 30-something years old or close to 30, at that, maybe 27 at that time. And we wanted to get started with our family. I didn't want to wait three more years to start our family. So we made the decision. We're going to, I'm going to slow down school. Carolyn's going to get a job. I'm going to work. And we're going to start our family, even while I'm in school. And God provided. God made the way. I got through seminary with $2,100 in student debt. That was $2,100 in student debt for a degree that probably cost 40000 Because God provided the way. What is impossible in our minds is possible and Jesus is telling his disciples, his students, give up 
what you think you've got control of. Turn it over to God and say, God, you take care of this. I can't do it. That's what Jesus is asking his disciples to do. And look what he says. In return, you will get a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Now, here's the hardest phrase. Along with persecution. Oh, we want life with Jesus to be easy. What kind of a reward is persecution, especially if he's given a hundred times property, a hundred times children, a hundred times fat? Does that a hundred times apply to the persecution? (laughs) Oh, dear Jesus, help us. Look, following Jesus is a commitment that requires courage. Don't ever look at a Christian, somebody that claims faith in Christ, as living it out seriously as a coward. It's giving up your life so that you can have it for the sake of Christ. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Listen. The reward that I'm experiencing is the pleasure of seeing God change my wife's mind. Husbands, you know how many times we work to change our wives' minds? (laughs) We can't do it, and vice versa. But God can. God can change minds. God can change hearts. God can change behaviors. If we will allow Him to work in our lives and follow him. But we've got to do what he says and trust him in that. But many who are the greatest will now be the least important then. And those who seem the least important will now, now will be the greatest then. Jesus flips the world upside down when he comes into it. But he is trustworthy. And he's powerful. And he will do it. My invitation for us today is do not be afraid to trust Jesus with every part of your life. Commit yourself to him. Seek his ways in every way. And you will have life and have it abundantly here, now, and forever. Trust Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Your sins, those things that take us away from the path that God has for us, missing the mark. Lord, I have missed the mark for my life. Lord, I'll I'll, I'll seek you in this area of my life, but Lord, don't you ask for my finances. Lord, you have nothing to do with my business practices. That's just business. No, it's not. God has a plan for your business. God has a plan how he wants you to, to function as a boss. How he wants you to function as an employee at the bottom of the wrong. God has a way for you. It comes through you giving your all to Jesus. So that's my invitation today. Another question. You want the reward? Following Jesus? You can, you can, you can say you're a follower of Jesus, but if you're not doing it, are you really? Let's take some time as we continue to sing and pray and worship. To, to experience the love of God that we, that we sang about a few minutes ago. 
just to let God minister to us, touch us, remind us. And maybe some of us need to let go of some things that we've been holding on tightly. We don't know how God's going to provide. We don't know how God's going to change my heart. We don't know how God's going to change somebody else's heart. But we give it up to Jesus. And we simply say to him, Jesus, I've tried to control this. I can't do it. I don't know the way. You've got to show me the way. Come, Jesus. I will follow you. I commit myself to do those things that you teach me to do, and I will do it. That's my invitation. If you want to pray about that, you want somebody to pray about that, come here. You can pray by yourself if you want, at the railing. If you're at home, you can pray about it. At home, fill out a, a Connect card online. We'd be glad to join you in this kind of prayer that God's power may be manifest in and through you, giving you that peace, that joy, that is part of this great reward that Christ gives to us. I invite you to stand together as we sing, and and, uh, let's pray together as the team comes and leads us. Dear Heavenly Father, we rise to our feet in praise and worship of you. Come and speak to us as we sing, as we think, as we pray. Minister to us as we listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
And there is none like you. None like you. today I want to be with him because I want him to be with me let's pray today Father we thank you for your great blessing we thank you for your presence that we have sensed in this place Lord today let us take that presence that spirit with us Lord as we live and as we go into the workplace and into our homes and our neighborhoods we carry your love your anointing and your blessing we thank you for that. We pray your blessing on each one today, your care, Lord, your hand of providence, your hand of guidance, your hand of favor and blessing. Lord, we ask that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have a great week. If you're worshiping online with us, our service host will be around for another 15 or 20 minutes if you need someone to pray with. Before you leave the room today, if you want someone to pray with, there's still folks here. God bless you.